Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean the Weekend edition. First of yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Sunday and Saturday. That's why it's the Weekend edition. Uh, National's got a billboard campaign out. Is there an election happening? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Um, especially when David Seymour appears to be the leader of the opposition right now. Um, the right to repair campaign. More and more people saying, hey, how come we have to replace everything when it breaks down? Can't we just fix it? Troy Kingy has a new album out, which is about to tour. Uh, so that's good. And uh, David Havili is back in the All Blacks. Uh, so that must be a relief. With all your health issues and your and your injuries, did you ever doubt that you'd ever get back into that black jersey? Yeah, for sure. Like, there's a lot of doubt, um, especially being in hospital for that week. It felt like a bloody eternity sitting in that hospital bed. But um, it was it was it was very lucky. But I had a had a pretty good support staff around me, like uh, my parents, uh, my partner, and a lot of my flatmates as well. So. Um, that got me through, and once I sort of got to the other side and started um, putting my goals in place, getting back in the All Blacks was one of my main ones, so uh, I'm just excited to, to be back in this environment and hopefully keep adding. I was just wondering about uh, what, what was in your mind. I mean, was it the excitement of the opportunity and the return, or did you feel pressure that this is my opportunity, please don't blow it? Oh, it was just excitement, really. You know, being out of the environment for so long, yeah, I guess, of course, you want to play well, but it was just about me just enjoying that moment. And once I got back out on the field, it was just, you know, back into the swing of things again. So, yeah, extremely exciting and a few nerves sitting on the bus. But once I got into that jersey, it was just business as usual. Um, I, I was just wondering, there was a lot of talk before the game about the physical nature of the Fijians and that they were going to be targeting the, the midfield. Was it as tough as, as the, the build-up sort of suggested? Yeah, they play with a lot of passion and a lot of physicality and we've seen that at times um, with their big ball carriers. But um, I thought we combat that really well. You know, we scored a, a lot of points. Yeah, you can't argue with that. They definitely scored some points. Um, uh, Judith Collins not scoring that many points in terms of popularity at the moment, but she's hoping by uh, sticking the boot into the government, that's all going to change. Are you saying that the governments really can't do anything major like this unless they've campaigned on it? What are you saying? Well, I'm saying that if you you put just a few months really out from, you know, the last election and the government from very, basically from the start, decided they were going to push through an agenda that they hadn't actually taken to the electorate. Now, it doesn't mean that governments can't uh, change their position, but when you're talking about major constitutional issues, yeah, I think they do need to be able to allow people to have debates on it. And what we're seeing is uh, that there's a whole lot of debate that gets shut down either by name-calling or by people being told, if you think like this or you say these things, then you're not supporting the victims of the Christchurch massacre. You know, so those sorts of things. So what we're saying for a start is Hepupu is the billboard we're starting with today. And we're saying, let's just have a debate about this. And so we've got the uh, demandthedebate.nz uh, website that people can go into, and they'll see all the detail that's been made available. Uh, on the Hepuapua document and the policy proposals that uh, are being discussed at the moment. And we're saying let's debate with all New Zealanders rather than only a few. So so you're starting off with Hepuapua, but are you also getting to hate speech laws as well? Is that what you're saying? Well, we've got a whole range of issues, obviously, um, and we're not going to run through all of them today just because we've got new billboards coming through on those as well. But there'll be issues like, for instance, the car tax, the ute tax, 
the the fact that they said that there were no new taxes and there are new taxes, uh, the turnarounds and basically uh, the non-delivery of the things they promised and the delivery of things they didn't promise. In fact, they, in some cases, ruled out altogether. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it seems like most people are more interested in what David Seymour has to say than what Judith Collins has to say these days. Is he maybe going to be the next Prime Minister? I also think it's interesting how closely David Seymour has managed his new MPs. Apart from him, Deputy Leader Brooke Van Velden and maybe Nicole McKee, can you name any of Act's 10 MPs? Exactly. There are plenty of pundits who would have thought a couple of those new MPs would have put their foot in it and messed up somehow by now. But National is the party of scandal at this moment. For the time being, Act MPs have their heads down and their leader does pretty much everything outward facing. That's smart. Now, will it last? Nothing does forever, but at some point, National will get itself together and we shouldn't get too excited about a preferred Prime Minister poll more than two years from an election. It's interesting, though. For now, David Seymour and his colleagues are doing everything an effective opposition should be. Outwardly, at least, they are a cohesive unit. Their criticisms of the government are many and varied. Their policy positions are relatively coherent. Yeah, I think it is extremely unlikely David Seymour will ever be Prime Minister. But right now, his party is the strongest it has ever been. Yeah, so uh, Seymour just keeps going from strength to strength uh, at the moment. Uh, We'll see what happens there, won't we? It's not... When's the next election? I feel like we've only just had it. We've only just had it, right? Because that's... I hate those because I have to work Saturday nights. So, like, tell me there's not one of those coming up anytime soon. Uh, we've got uh, calls, more, more and more calls, in fact, uh, for manufacturers to um, stop making it impossible to fix their stuff. Tell me, could Joe Biden's directive in America have significance for the movement here or, or globally in general? Um, I think it could. It's um, In the states, um, the, the US states have been trying to get some legislation passed for um, about a decade now with very little success because whenever they try and do anything... Um, the big tech companies um, and people like John Deere in the farm equipment space just push back and they've got a lot of weight and power and lobbying. Um, so having this at a, at a federal level could make a big difference. At the very least, it's a really good signal that it's going in the right direction. What is the right to repair movement like here in New Zealand? Um, it's, it's growing. Um, it's not um, particularly organised, um, but we're, we're starting from a decent place because of our Consumer Guarantees Act legislation. Um, so this, this, at the very least, means that products have to be durable and manufacturers have to provide repair and um, parts for a reasonable time after the, the product's been sold, with one caveat that there's a loophole in that. Um, but we're starting to see a lot more right-to-repair noise from consumers now. Um, and that's sort of reflective of the global trend as well, that I think people are getting tired that, that we're, we're buying products and then being told that actually we can't do what we like with them. And that's pretty much what everyone wants to do. We just want the ability to say, I want to go and get this repaired. And there are things being
being put into place that are stopping that happening. So, for example, a screen repair for an iPhone 12, say an Apple iPhone 12, out of warranty costs $595 if, you, if it's sort of undertaken through the Apple store. So is, is that those kind of costs? We, we don't want people then going, well, I might as well just go and buy another phone. Everything else works fine, just needs a new screen, right? Yeah, and that's that's what the, the companies want us to do, really, right? It's, it's always going to be this equation that I've had this product for so long and something's gone wrong with it. And is it worth me getting it fixed? And it comes down to weighing up the cost. How much life do I think is left in it? And is it worth me paying $585 to get that screen repaired? Or actually, it's probably time to upgrade to a new one. And that's what the the manufacturers want us to do, because that's how they keep their sales going. Yeah, um, I've certainly uh, had that experience. Uh, Not me personally. I take good care of my uh, tech gear, but people close to me have broken it before. And then you find out that it actually costs uh, about twice as much to fix it as it would be to just replace it with something slightly cheaper. But there is something probably wrong with that, isn't there? Hey, not much wrong with Troy King's new album, I guess, which is why he's decided to take it on the road. And into the studio. How did the 10-10-10 series come about? Whose crazy idea was it? Yeah, I still don't know exactly where that come from, but I've I've come up with a few theories. I think the the main one being that uh, I started relatively late, like my first album didn't come out till 31. Um, spent my 20s raising all my children, um, and I thought it was a good way to. I felt like I had a lot in me to mm. get out, and I, I just thought it was a good way to kind of light a fuse under under my butt. <laughs> it's definitely a way to um like. Put, add pressure to your life for the next decade. <laughs> yeah. Like, why don't you just do the 555 or something like that? I, I, I think the 10 thing comes from Tarantino wanting to only do 10 films, ah. and I'm a big Tarantino fan. So um, that, that, but just wanting to take it up a few other notches by yeah. only doing it in 10 years and 10 different genres. Do you know that Tarantino's sticking to that for the time being? He's doing his last film now, and he says that's going to be it. Yeah. Okay. So so does that mean that you'll do the 10, 10, yeah. 10, and that's it for you? Yeah, for sure. Wow. Okay, well, like, how do you go about deciding on how you will approach each different genre when you get there? The first three were quite easy because, well, the first one, I had all my life to write that mm. first one. Um, and I had ideas for what I was going to do for the second and third one, so I kind of had ideas. Um, the rest of them, it's I've, I've since the fourth one, I've been like, mm. man, I'm... This is actually quite hard. <laughs> what am I up to? But um, normally, what I'll do is I, I'll finish one genre and then I spend next ten months um, kind of researching the style that I want to emulate, taking the best bits out of it, and also trying to find a style that no one particularly cares for. Yeah. Or or it's kind of like a something from years gone by that no one really listens to anymore, and just trying to make it cool and my my own thing. So I take out why that sound sounds like that and listen to heaps of people from that genre take out the bits and then put my flavour to it and then eventually we got something Ooh, we can try running faster thinking smarter oh what a great note to finish on see what I did there great note to Okay. Look, I'm licensed to tell dad jokes. I don't know if I've told you this before. I'm licensed. I've got two licenses to tell dad jokes. That has been News Talks. has been the weekend edition. And we'll be back with more quality humour like that for you again with a weekday edition tomorrow. See you then.